away from 12 o'clock now with Santa Claus in for David Lawrence on WMAL AM 630. So one of our producers, Maddie, is, is here today to talk to me. Maddie, what are we listening to here? Uh, we are listening to a bit of family history for me. Uh, this is a tape that is now like 32 years old, and it is literally a tape. My mother had to dig out an old cassette and then drive to her church and use the cassette player there to record this for us. And I have been given the privilege of talking to Santa, Mr. Santa Claus himself, (laughs) on the radio. Um, So this was like a a call-in show, which is where literally we'd have to dial the old landline with its like 50-foot cord. So I remember our our main phone was in the kitchen, and so I was probably standing somewhere in the living room. And we'd listen to ourselves on the radio, and I think you can even hear a little bit of the echo in the recording itself. Let's go to Matty in Bethesda. Hello, Matty. How are you? Good. All right, Matty, you're how old? Five. Five years old. And Matty... For many, many years, we used to play this, I think, on Christmas Day itself, possibly on Christmas Eve. And um, basically, we would just listen back to it and and laugh, laugh at, at five-year-old me, and then especially laugh uh, at my sister, who is two in this, and makes a special guest appearance about halfway through the uh, chat I have with Santa. Make them more comfortable. What's going on there? Uh, my sister. How old is your sister? Two. Two years old. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. Do you remember being that five-year-old kid on the line with Santa? You know, kind of. I have, I can definitely remember my apartment in Bethesda, Maryland, where we were living at the time. I remember it's beige walls. Um, I do remember being really excited. All right, Maddie, what would you like for Christmas? Uh, I like a cabbage patch kid. A cabbage patch kid? I've got some of those lying about, sure. And a cabbage patch cradle. When a cradle for the cabbage. So this is obviously a very memorable family tradition. Then, Maddie, is is this where you got the idea of of this holiday traditions episode that uh, that we're going to hear today, where we've got different traditions and and things that people do from across Canada? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this tape is too good not to share with the world. <laughs> that is true. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into it. Should we Should we do our usual thing? Yeah, let's do this. I'm Anika Raman Wilms. And I'm Madeline White. And you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Well, Merry Christmas to everybody at your house. Okay. Oh, bye-bye now. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Let's go. Lawrence is lining up some more phone calls. This is Santa Claus in for David on WMAL AM 630. The phone number is 202. Can we just start singing? Yeah. Music is one of my favorite parts of the holiday season. When I was younger, I used to sing in Christmas concerts, and it was always so much fun. The caroling that you just heard was from Maria Joy Bartholomew. She lives in Halifax, but spoke to us from London, Ontario, about her lifelong caroling tradition. Yeah, it's a good story. It's part of our family tradition and something I was literally kind of born into. Um, It started in Halifax in 1984. My dad at the time was a naval officer 
Um, he was very musical and a bachelor and all of his friends um, were thinking of maybe something fun to do near Christmas time. Um, so they th- they thought that it would host a caroling party for neighbors and friends. Um, <laughs> and at that time, he had just met my mom. And so um, that was the first kind of night that they fell in love. So it's also <sighs> part of our, our family story. And some of my earliest memories um, as a child are actually caroling because it was something that happened every year. And there was a very kind of predictable rhythm to it. But I remember... I remember being so little, I'd be on my dad's shoulders and he'd be leading mm. the caroling and I'd have this beautiful like perch looking at everyone. It started by just going to random strangers' houses. They started in Halifax and then they moved to Ottawa and then Kingston and then London, Ontario. Mm. When I moved back to Halifax a few years ago, my brother was living there too. We kind of reinstated the Halifax version of it. Um, and that one is like often just to random people. And and so I mean this year will will the tradition continue on as as it has every year then? Yes. Yep. Um COVID stopped things for the last two years. So but this year we can get, you know, back together. Um and it'll be it'll also be kind of a, a special, well bittersweet for us. My uh, my father who started it passed away um, from cancer at the very beginning of COVID. So this is the oh, first year, the first year that we'll be carrying on the tradition without him. So that'll be, um, yeah, that it's definitely a huge loss, but I'm also so grateful for the, you know, the gift he gave us of, of starting this with my mom. Um, so yeah, it will be special and, and I'm glad we'll carry it on again, even though, even though COVID, you know, we had to pause for a couple of years. So. For Christmas and a happy new year. So you've been to a lot of houses over the years, but is there any kind of interaction that I guess really sticks sticks out in your mind as, as something special? Probably the most, like definitely the most impacting um, was a few years ago in Halifax. Uh, it was a cold, wintry night, lots of Halifax slush and snow. Um, and we we knocked on this like beautiful old home and it wasn't even that lit, but something was like, oh, we should carol to this home. And and this older gentleman opened the door and immediately just started kind of tearing up and then motioning for us to come in the house. And we've never like, we've never gone into a home before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like this moment of, do we do this? We're all in the midst of singing. Um, but something, something was like, yes, absolutely. This is, it's important. So we did, we just started kind of walking into the home, trying to take our boots off so we wouldn't get this beautiful old, old floors wet. And he led us down the hallway into what would have been the living room. You could see family portraits all over and, um, set up like a living room, but with a bed in the center and a woman like lying there, I presume his wife based on all the pictures around. Um, and she was, yeah, she was very, very frail um, at the end of the song. And he, yeah, he said that, you know, his wife was very sick and she had really, all she wanted was to go to a Christmas concert and hear music that season, Aww. but she wasn't able, you know, she wasn't able to get out of bed. And so he said, this is a miracle. You brought the Christmas concert. You brought the concert to us. So that was really, like, really Aww. incredibly touching. Um for us to be a part of, it felt like this moment that was kind of beyond anything that we set out to do. 
But I'll, I'll always remember that moment of us pure strangers gathered together, standing around, fully around um, this woman's bed, and her husband was beside her, holding her hand. And and for all the, you know, for all of the awkwardness of knocking on strangers' doors, there's also some magic there too that was really profound. So I'll never forget that. And people, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that experience for sure. That you never know, you never know what can happen. Oh, Hello, my name is Samira Moyadin. Um, around this time of year, uh, Iranians celebrate what is known as Yalda. Yalda is a Syriac word, uh, which means birth. And uh, this festival celebrates the eve of the birth of Mitra, who is the sun god. Uh, the celebration is all about light triumphing over darkness, and it happens on the eve of the longest night of the year. Uh, this celebration is better known as winter solstice. So uh, you gather around uh, a table, and on that ceremonial table is things like pomegranates, persimmons. Um, we also make this really rich, uh, thick soup called oshereshte. Candles are a big thing, and you have to keep that light going all night, right into the dawn. Um, and what we do is we sit around the table, we tell stories, uh, but most of all, we read poetry. Now, you can read any type of poetry you like, but one of the uh, poets that we read a lot is uh, Hafez. Hafez was a 14th century poet. He wrote a lot about love and light and red wine and religious hypocrisy. One of the lyrics is, Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, You owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. This tradition means a lot to me um, because it's something that uh, predates a lot of the sort of more established religions and it's something that is really in tune with the seasons. And the way it manifests itself today is something that brings all Iranians together. It doesn't matter what your religious, cultural, or lingual background is. It sort of grounds you and, I guess, brings you back to nature. It lets you come out of that dreariness of winter and lets you look forward to spring. And no matter what happens, we always know that the seasons will change. And I think that it's something that people really need to know more during this time. You know, the, the world is so dreary. It's full of so much darkness that this celebration sort of combats that and really brings you back to what it means to be human, which is sitting around with friends and family, eating and looking forward to more light coming through. Samira Moyadin co-owns a Persian restaurant in downtown Toronto called Banu, and she's also the host of the CBC podcast Unforked. We'll be right back with some holiday traditions from the Northwest Territories. You might have heard Addie Yonason on our show last week. 
She's a board member of the Thai Dene Nene Indigenous Protected Area, and we called her back to ask how she and the Lutzulke Dene First Nation celebrate the season. And and I'm just curious, Addie, you're pretty far north. I mean, how much how much daylight do you get at this time of year, if if any? Oh, not much daylight. I think this morning, I think this, I didn't check, but I think the sunrise was about after nine. We try to have activities over the Christmas holidays, you know, we'll start having activities every day on to New Year's Day. Yeah, we have to, you know, do things here so that, you know, we um, have, um, you know, keep our mental health in in, in a good way hmm. because, it, you know, it's dark a lot here. Hmm. The fire ceremony is to say, to say thank you, you know, for all that we have. We feed the fire, uh, we make an offering of tobacco, and we always, you know, after a feast, have a plate of food to feed the fire, and that's uh, to feed the ancestors. During the holidays, we will have um, hand games. So you have uh, two groups of men each uh, everybody has uh, a token, so if you get caught with a token, then you know you're you're eliminated. And while that's happening, um, you know the there's drumming going on, which makes it really you know lively and really fun to watch. At the New Year's, we have the fiddle dance, which has always been you know part of our. Uh, our tradition here is to have a, a, a big fiddle dance. Uh, for someone who's never seen a, the, the fiddle dance, can, can you describe it, Addie? Like, what, what, what does it sound like and, and what, what does the dance look like? We have a band, you know, that normally comes in or we have local people, you know, that play the, we have the guitar, we have the, the fiddle and uh, we have square dances and then there's the jigging, uh, there's the two-stepping. So all really lively, good music, you know, makes you want to get up and dance. Uh, we have maybe about 30 or even 40 people square dancing in, in a group. You know, people are stomping their feet. Um, they're, you know, uh, clapping, laughing, like just totally enjoying themselves at a at a fiddle dance, so it's a really good uh, atmosphere to be at. A lot of joy and happiness. Our next tradition comes from Liam Harrap and Christina Disney in Alberta. They've found a way to gamify the holiday spirit. And I think it's probably best if you describe what the Christmas challenge is, Christina, because I do believe it was your idea. It was my idea, although I, I literally, well, personally designed it for you. So I guess it, it goes both ways. The Christmas challenges came about in 2015 because Liam and I worked a job together. We worked for this biodiversity company in northern Alberta, and I wanted Liam and I to stay friends. And I was worried that, like, without working together, we wouldn't hang out anymore. And so when Christmas came a-knocking, I knew Liam's competitive nature might kick in a little bit if I requested a ridiculous challenge and it was kind of like our version of the 12 days of christmas 
And I think it's sort of varied in and out of how Christmassy it's truly been. But there's always like a few very Christmassy things and then a few just random tasks. So this was you came up with this as a way for us to stay friends. I did. Yes. Oh, well, okay. I actually didn't know that. Uh... (laughs) The original first year was we each gave each other 12 challenges that had to be completed before midnight of Christmas Eve. And if you did not get challenge done, the the consequences have changed over the years, but we've kind of settled on you have to spend the rest of the next year calling the other person your majesty and potentially sending them lovely little gifts from time to time. One of my favorites last year, I don't even remember what the challenge was, but we had gotten rain here in Edmonton in the winter and I went skating. Oh, I think it was start a new tradition. Right, start a new tradition. So skating on the streets, which I had like the time of my life, like skating down the street, like it was so much fun. So I really like that because I've always wanted to do that. Sometimes it is like touch and go. Like, oh, do you remember the time we had to go out blindfolded? Sorry, sorry. I forgot. Oh, that's that right. One time when we had to like go out <laughs> blindfolded into we a restaurant. We had to spend an entire evening out blindfolded. Do you think it'll ever end? So, and that is sort of this is the when I realized how long we've been doing this for. That is the first time that I've had that thought of of how long will this truly go for? Because I do love the notion of us being 82 and like sneaking around graffitiing something just to be When we did like the knitting graffiti. I wonder if my (laughs) knitting graffiti is still up. Mine lasted a couple years actually because it was on this thing that I used to drive by and I saw it for quite a while. Even though sometimes we're like, oh my God, like I have to get how many done before Christmas Eve? Or things like that but like it's so much more fun having done it like life is just better if you go the extra mile lastly here's kathy's story about a very special set of teacups um i own about 10 of these teacups and one of my favorite ones is uh, completely colored in gold uh, my name is kathy peckin and i live in london ontario Well, the teacup tradition was begun relatively recently by my daughter, actually. Um, uh, One Christmas morning, I suggested that we um, uh, have uh, mimosas uh, for Christmas morning um, using cranberry juice and a little bit of whatever bubbly is around. And she suggested that we have them in um, the antique tea collection, teacup collection. I own the teacups. Um, because they were gifted to me from my mother before uh, she passed away and uh, her mother before her owned them. So they're over several generations. Uh, so when she suggested this, it, um, it really resonated with both of us um, because we were uh, celebrating and enjoying um, the fruits of the women who had made holidays before us um, in the teacups. Well, It means ongoing family tradition in the future. I have not yet been blessed with a grandchild. I do have a grand dog, which is exciting, but not quite the same. Um, And so what this gives to me personally is the hope and the sense and the understanding that um, what's come before my daughter will continue on with her and will go into the future with her. Um, and but also not in a way that is fixed or inflexible in a way that's dynamic and and I think um, that's how a lot of tradition survives 
uh, is it becomes dynamic. Um, it changes with time and circumstance and who might be present and, um, and how you choose to share it. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for spending time with us this year. It's been difficult for a lot of people, and there's a lot of tough news stories out there. But I just want to thank you for trusting us to help you understand them. Your support means so much. And thanks also to everyone who shared their traditions for this episode, so we could end the year on a lighter note by sharing them with you. Thanks to Maria, Samira, Addy, Liam, Christina, and Kathy. And a special thanks to Carol White, who found a cassette player so we could share Maddie's Santa Call recording off the top of the show. Next week, we'll be returning to the top news stories of 2022, from economics to politics to music. Hope you can tune in. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. On behalf of all of us here at The Decibel, I hope you have a wonderful holiday and a happy new year, and we'll talk again in January. <laughs>